Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. So uh, I'll be filling in tonight. And uh, as most of you know, I'm a veteran. I served in the United States Air Force. And most of us that served in the armed forces, um, we love our country. Uh, obviously, we served our country. And uh, I, that's something that I'm honored to say that I did. Um, I really uh, have a soft spot for our military. And uh, I don't like the direction they're going right now. There's not much I can do about it, but I pray for our uh, my brothers and sisters in the military uh, that uh, this country will take care of them because they are the backbone of this nation. Uh, what we just observed this past weekend, being Memorial Day, really uh, hits home because we honor those that gave the ultimate sacrifice uh, for this country, and that was they laid down their lives. Uh, for this nation and for us to uh, enjoy the freedoms that we do uh, and we do not need to take those for granted and we do not uh, need to make a mockery of those freedoms either because uh, they were paid for at a high price you know brothers sisters dads uncles mothers sisters I mean they didn't get to enjoy uh, a life with their family like we have they gave up that uh, right uh, because they love this country and they died for this country. I, I don't want that to go unnoticed. I don't want that to go um, unhonored, I should say. We need to make sure that we take that uh, seriously each and every day. And, and I read somewhere um, this past weekend that every day should be Memorial Day. Every day we should uh, pray, thank the Lord for those that lay down their lives and lift them up and honor them. And the way we can honor them is the way we live our lives and to make sure that them giving their lives, that we live a life that was worth that. And uh, I need to, you know, I pray that each and every day. Um, you know, I was only, I was 21 when I went in, and um, I probably didn't take it seriously that I was signing a contract that I would lay down my life in my country. And if they probably emphasized that more, there's a lot of people that wouldn't go in and sign. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, men and women are willing to stand up and serve this country. Because like Jonathan and I said Sunday, this is still the greatest nation on the planet. Uh, we are a young nation. Uh, we have only been here for what, 240 something years? I don't know the exact math, I haven't figured it up. But um, if you think about it in context, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. We haven't even come nowhere close to that. Um, you know, we were here as settlers 150 years probably before we became a nation. And uh, so I guess we do have a little longevity. But I want to start out with this. I want you to think about these three things right here. Uh, suppose you turn on the TV and the, the news and you heard these three things. First, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court has just issued this statement. Divine Providence, that's God, has given uh, to our people the choice of their rulers and it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. That would be nice, wouldn't it? 
Uh, what about number two? Inquiries by our reporters revealed that almost every state legislature has now passed a law requiring all elected officials take this oath. I do profess faith in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, his only Son, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. A legislation today, this is number three, uh, was passed today in Congress that affirms that uh, they have approved and recommend that the Holy Bible be used in school. What do y'all think our media would do with that? That would have a field day, would they not? Uh, I hate that we're uh, experiencing a lot of the, the woke uh, society trends, but that's uh, that's what we have to deal with. Uh, you know, Satan is the ruler of this world because God has given him that power. So, uh, think what is it, Jackie always said? Lost people going to act like lost people. I mean, that's what they're going to do. So, um, you know, we have to take what we get. We need to pray and lift it up to God. But those three things that I just read to you there are all accurate and factually true. They are for real at, at one time. Number one, John Jay, the first chief uh, justice, uh, was called the father of the Supreme Court, and one of the primary writers of the Constitution wrote, it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Nothing's changed other than our attitude. <laughs> You know, number two, it was the state of Delaware, along with most of the others, which required office holders to take an oath affirming their Christian faith before they could take office. So that's still, you know, not just put your hand on the Bible, but they need to swear these things before God and, and country. And that, that was true, and it still needs to be true. Number three, not only did Congress in 1782 approve the use of the Bible in our schools, they even paid for them with tax dollars. And in 1844, someone sued to remove them, and the Supreme Court ruled, why should not the Bible, and especially the New Testament, be read and taught as a divine revelation in the schools where um, can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly and so perfectly as from the New Testament? It would be nice if they were teaching from the New Testament nowadays in our schools instead of some of these uh, textbooks that are teaching profane, profane things, if I can say the right word. But uh, our nation has definitely taken a turn for the worst, and we're heading in the wrong direction, but there's hope. There's always hope, and we're going to keep, we're going to go through and we're going to see this. Tonight I want to do more of a history lesson than more of a sermon because uh, I'm a firm believer that if we forget where we've been, we don't know exactly where we're going, do we? And we're destined to make the same mistakes again and again and again if we don't learn from them. I had a conversation with someone this past week, um, it was my chiropractor actually, and uh, we said that, you know, they need to teach history in schools. They need to teach all of history even the bad and the good because we need to learn from our mistakes as well as our, our triumphs, do we not? I've always said and I preach this to the grandkids most people learn from not only their mistakes but from other people's mistakes 
And we need, to, we need to do that. We need to make sure that we do not repeat the same mistakes that we made in the past. And the only way we can do that is to learn from them and to teach them. Uh, tonight's message or history lesson, I guess, is going to be, uh, I called it God Bless America. And uh, so if you guys will stand with me, let's read uh, one verse that's going to be Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. And I think everyone knows this verse very well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins, and most importantly, I will heal their land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are in control. No matter what madness comes at us each and every day uh, in this world, Lord, we, we feel like that uh, it is just slipping away from us each and every day, but you've told us that that's what's going to happen, that, that in the end times that uh, it will be as of the days of Noah, but you also tell us that there is, there is hope, and if we will turn from our wicked ways and repent, that you will heal us and uh, restore us, Father. And you've showed us that over and over again, not only uh, within our lives, but like with the nation of Israel and those others through the Bible, Father. But first off, we have to realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior, Lord, and we need to get on our knees, and we need to pray and cry out to you. And I pray that our leaders and our nation would do that, Father come back to you in a, a, such a revival that we would just set this world on fire. We just thank you for Jesus, what he done for us on the cross, and for these things we ask in his name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> well, you know, think about this. Those people that said those things, the first three things that I read, uh, if they were here today saying these exact same things, they would be labeled as right-wing radicals and, uh, and be persecuted or be a, a considered a threat to our nation. And uh, it's so sad that, you know, we have gone so far from God, so far from the Bible, uh, that we've lost our way, we've lost our roots. And uh, it, it's not hopeless, but we, uh, we can get them back. Um, you know... Like I said, people need to know history. They need to know where we've been. And we said that they're not going to get it in schools, are they? So where can kids nowadays get the true history lesson? Right here. Right here in church, in Sunday school, you know, in our homes. We need to be telling our, our children about the past and the mistakes we've made and, and to learn from that. Our school systems, our colleges, our universities have all become so secular and they're so distant from religion that, uh, you know, a huge chunk of this information about our spiritual root of our nation is neglected. And if we don't stand up as Christians and let them know, they're not going to hear it. And the problem being, too, is even the kids that have been raised in church go off to college. And they're so easily swayed. They're so easily pulled away. Uh, you know, that's why we really need to prepare these kids, not only while they're in our homes, but when they're out on their own, are they not? I mean, if you have a child raised inside of a, the fortress walls where they're protected, that's fine and dandy. But when they leave the protection of that fortress and they go out on their own, they're going to be among the wolves, are they not? 
They need to know how to protect themselves. They need to know how to defend themselves. And that's what we need to be teaching them each and every day. That's all we can do is prepare them ahead of time. Um, so anyway, we need to know um, what is actually right about America as well, do we not? America, first of all, to, to get into the history of it, was settled by people looking for religious freedom. Not freedom from religion. They were looking for freedom of religion. And so we need to realize that, we need to preach that, and we need to make sure that our kids understand that. The earliest settlers were people who came here from prim primarily looking for religious freedom. And the, the souls that sailed on the uh, Mayflower in 1620 fled from tyranny and oppression. And in the Mayflower Compact, which they signed beneath the swinging lantern in the cabin of their ship, they proclaimed that they had come to the new world for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Now, in the early colonies, the first public building erected was what? Church house. Where did they teach school? Church house. So that's what we need to know, that, uh, you know, these, these uh, early settlers, that was a priority to them, was to, to put God first and foremost, because that's what they come here to advance uh, their Christian faith. And so when things would go right, they would gather in those churches, and they would also give thanks to God as well for bountiful harvests or anything like that. Uh, in 1643, more people arrived on these shores, and they joined together to form the New England Confederation. They wrote a constitution, the first constitution written in the New World, and it began with these words, Whereas we all came in with parts with one, and same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and peace. Now, these were our spiritual forefathers and they who came to the shores of America so they could worship and practice their faith without fear of persecution. And it's sad to say that we're starting to see our freedoms slip away again. And if we don't stand up, we will be facing persecution uh, for our religion if well. So we need to make sure that we band together with our brothers and sisters and stand strong. The second thing that's right with America is that the founders of our nation had a strong desire to be pleasing to God and to do his will. So remember around 150 years, like I talked about, passed from the time the early settlers uh, settled until the beginning of our nation. Now, this is where kind of getting into the cycles. You know, we see that right now things have slipped away to where uh, the morality of our country is not glorifying God, it's glorifying itself, is it not? But think about it. How many cycles all throughout the Bible, all throughout the history of the world, where people have gotten on fire, you know, with revival, come back to God, only to walk away from God after generations kind of get back to serving self and not serving God. So as you see time passing, uh, the original settlers died off and many of their descendants were more concerned with increasing their wealth and comfortable living than being faithful to God and his word. And after waves of immigrants arrived, many of them came for other reasons as well. Now this was something I found uh, interesting 
But uh, England began a program of emptying their prisons by making it possible for prisoners to come to the New World as indentured servants. And so at the same time, the king was granting vast tracts of land to his special friends, and then they were hiring these as uh, plantation workers and indentured servants. So they were emptying out their bad people from prison and sending them so they wouldn't have to deal with it. And so that further lowered your morality, did it not? So what do you think about that? So the spiritual atmosphere deteriorated rapidly and churches were dying and many of them that had sought religious freedom for, for themselves were now being intolerant of others. Uh, in 1962, for instance, a slave girl who was brought by her master to live in Salem, Massachusetts began telling young girls wild tales about the power of voodoo. And it wasn't long after that that we had the famous Salem witch trial. So the end result of this was in 1730, about 10% of the people in the colonies were attending church. So this settlement that came here for religious freedom was now serving self and not God. And we see that time after time after time, do we not? But there's hope. There is definitely hope. Uh, beginning in 1734, a handful of preachers, uh, namely Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, uh, Gilbert Tennant, and John Wesley, uh, began to preach in churches and in the streets and in the fields. Uh, these soon turned into great crusades and revivals that spread throughout the 13 colonies. So revival is always possible if we put God first. Like it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them and heal their land. It's a cycle. It goes on and on and on. So, so many people came to know Christ in this era that it was known as the Great Awakening. So many people came to hear Whitfield as he traveled the colonies that uh, he had to hold these outdoors because there wasn't enough room in the churches. Wouldn't that be all? Benjamin Franklin wrote, It was wonderful to see the change soon made in the manner of the inhabitants. So, thought to be thoughtless and indifferent about religion. Franklin was so impressed with George Whitfield's preaching that he helped build an auditorium to accommodate the crowds of up to 30,000 people that came to hear Whitfield's preaching. The population of Philadelphia at that time, 25,000. People were coming everywhere to hear these people, and they were sparking a revival all across America. Uh, and openly devout Christian, Christians were no longer just 10% of the population. Now they made up 50% of the population. I haven't heard the latest percentage or a statistic about the unchurched in Bedford County, but it's, it would astound you. It's up there. And we have these people that are around us each and every day, and we need preachers like Whitfield and Wesley. We need revival in this country. And the only way it happens is if men and women stand up. Stand up and they speak out. The Great Awakening this is the thing that I really love. The Great Awakening was a precursor to the American Revolution. Uh, our founding fathers, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, those who wrote our Constitution, 
the Bill of Rights and those who put their lives on the line, who fought and died, that we might be free, all grew up and came into leadership while, guess what? Under the Great Awakening. So, these leaders that led this nation into existence were all trained in the spiritual revolution that was the Great Awakening. So, George Washington recorded this prayer in his personal journal. Let my heart, gracious God, be so affected with your glory and majesty that I may discharge those weighty duties which thou request of me. Again, I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of sins for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered on the cross for me. Thou gavest thy son to die for me and hast given me assurance of my salvation. What would we do if we heard our politicians on TV saying those prayers? That's where we have to get back to. We want to survive as a nation. And it's just, uh, it breaks my heart that, I mean, it's going to take a massive revival in this country for that to ever happen. Um, I hope it's not too late. Like I said, you know, you look all throughout the nation of Israel. How many times did they get on fire for God and repent and come back to God only to fall away from God? Only to repent and come back to God only to fall away from God. It's uh, over and over and over. So it's going to happen to us. It did happen when our nation became a nation, but uh, it's not hopeless. We can do this. It's only through prayer that we're going to have to get on our knees and ask God to forgive us. It says, over a 10-year period, political science professors at the University of Houston collected and cataloged 15,000 writings by the Founding Fathers. Their goal was to determine a primary source of the ideas that was behind the Constitution by identifying the source quoted most often by them. The primary source was... Ding, ding, ding. 94%. They were quoting the Bible. So, that was what we read in our Bill of Rights and the Constitution itself. Uh, the Declaration of Independence, uh, if we look at it, the first uh, part of it, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men who are created equal, that they are endowed by who? their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So we want a government whose job it is to protect what the creator has given each and every one of us. That's their job. Not to rule over us. So, we've heard stories about how they discussed and debated the Declaration of Independence. Finally, one of them suggested that they all get on their knees, ask God what they should be doing. And these, uh, the ones that drafted the Declaration of Independence, all went on their knees as one man and began to pray and seek the wisdom and guidance of God. That's how we succeed. Wouldn't it be a wonderful day to see our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court all get down on their knees like our forefathers did and ask God what 
they can do for them. So after signing the Declaration of Independence, Samuel Adams, who often called the father of the revolution, declared that this day, we have this day, I'm sorry, restored the sovereign to whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven, and from the rising to the setting sun, his, let his kingdom come. So the problem is, I believe America was protected. We were formed as a Christian nation, as a godly nation, but we've slowly gone through our cycles to where we've gone away from God, we've come back to God. We've gone away from God, we've come back to God. But now we've gone away from God. Pretty obvious. Um, you know, I don't believe that God has put his blessing on this nation right now. I believe it's just the opposite. I believe God has let us We've reaped what we've sown. He's given us over to our own desires. You know, Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. How can we ask God to bless our nation out of all the things that we have allowed to happen? You know, the abortions. How many millions of children were aborted over the years? And luckily... They have overturned Roe versus Wade, uh, giving it back to the states to, to decide, and we need to pray that those states would do the right thing. I mean, we talked about it with the kids uh, on Sunday night. Uh, Aaron, he does an awesome job with the, with the youth, and I love sitting in and listening to his classes. Um, he uh, was talking about abortion, and we got to talking. You know, what about maybe we've aborted person that was going to grow up to cure cancer. God was going to allow that with a cure for cancer or all these other diseases or these important things, but we've aborted. That means children. So how do we know? How do we know? So, I mean, we can't really ask God to bless us if we're not willing to do the right things as a nation. And, you know, I think we really need to get on our knees. We need to really be praying for God's forgiveness. We need to call out his name. We need to, first of all, humble ourselves and come back to where we left God as a nation. And we, we need to cry out to him and ask him to forgive us and to heal our land. And he said he will if we will just do it. Uh, but it is just... Uh, it's astounding at the statistics that if you look at um, on, on abortion, the heart disease, cancer, tobacco, obesity, stroke, you know, alcohol, diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, pneumonia. I mean, all these things that I believe we have brought on ourselves over the years because we have put God first. If we won't put God first, then why is God going to bless us? Why is he going to put us first? I mean, that's what I say. I mean, you know, we love our kids, but if our kids time and time again, uh, you know, are disobedient to us, then there's a point where you have to you know, let them go reap what they sow. And uh, all we can do is be like the, the, the prodigal father pray and hope that God will, you know, uh, reach out and, and save them. 
But first of all, how does a alcoholic or a drug addict uh, finally get help? They hit rock bottom. Only when a person hits rock bottom will they truly ask for help. And I believe that that's what God is allowing us to do as a nation. That maybe we can hit rock bottom and still be able to let God pull us up and it won't be a total disaster. Uh, salvation is the same thing. When does a person realize they need a Savior? They hit rock bottom and realize that if they died, they were going to go to hell. They're not going to go to heaven without God. So desperation <coughs> breeds recovery. And we need to get desperate as a nation. If we're not, then we're going to be apathetic and indifferent. And what does God tell us about that? He would rather us be hot or cold. Lukewarm, what happens? And the reason being is because we can do more damage as a lukewarm Christian than we can as a cold sinner. Because people will see what we're doing and they're going to think it's okay and they're going to follow us right down that path. And if they don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're going to aid in them spending eternity in a place. Guys, I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to do an invitation. Uh, the altar will be open. pray that you would come and, and lay down your board burdens. I pray that you would continue to pray for others. Um, I mean, as we've talked about tonight, we got a nation to pray for. we got a nation that only God can save. So we either turn it over to Him and let Him do His thing, or we reap what we sow. So. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's Word has encouraged you, you feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make Him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, First, it's important to know that we are sinners, we're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.